So hello and welcome to the Still Be Rise podcast. Today we're joined by the chair of CARAG, Lorraine Masiam Panella. Welcome, Lorraine. Thank you. So we're meeting in this in this historic building in Coventry, the the Coventry Peace House, which has welcomed migrants from from all over the world. Well, what are your feelings about this place, Lorraine? Peace House is my home. When I first came to Coventry in 2016, this was the first place that my housemate took brought me to. So okay. it's it's something that is very very important to me and my mm-hmm. life in Coventry. That's amazing. It's it's an amazing place which people who who visit Coventry should should come and have a look at. And and Carrig was started here, Lorraine. Well, what was the reason why Carrig was needed? Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of the history of Kalag. Kalag was started by a man whose name is Sane. Sane was a Nigerian man, but by the time he came to England, mm-hmm. he had lived in Germany for a number of years. He was a refugee there in Germany. Okay. So when he lived in Germany, they used to campaign as asylum seekers and refugees over there. Right. So when he came here, he didn't find something that was similar to what they had in Germany. So he saw the need and then they created the group in 2013, which is still called Kalag now. So we we appreciate whatever initiative that they did at the time, because we can see that even now the, the group is as important as ever. Right. Okay. And there, I mean, there are many types of campaigning organizations, but Kalag is a, a wholly migrant-led community organization why why is that really important yeah i think knowing something Mm -hmm. is different from living something so karag is important because it is informed by the people that are going through the immigration system. Mm. So it is important because we know what works and we know what doesn't work. We are able to offer each other support. So that peer-to-peer support is very important. We also, there is an element of trust that I have seen over the years that uh, when people come to Kalag, because everyone understands that we are all in the same situation, so people start opening up Otherwise, there's always suspicion to open up with somebody you've just met maybe somewhere else. But when people come to Kalag and they understand that everyone is going through the same, people will start opening up and we start creating friendships and a community that we all value in the end because we benefit from it. Yeah, the, the general public won't really, they won't be able to relate to what it's like to arrive in a new country, to claim asylum, to not be able to work there's these issues about people being being isolated so it's important that a community like like carrig exists isn't it exactly and the other thing i think nathan is um when we talk in vacuum that oh there are asylum seekers here suffering or there's this problem that asylum seekers are suffering without seeing those asylum seekers mm-hmm. i think nobody puts a value to it but kalag exists to expose or to make the invisible visible because we are human beings and we, we, we just say how things are. That makes other people to understand what people are going through. So I think that's also a very important element about Kalag. 
You you say we're we're human beings. Do you do you think that there's there are things about the whole asylum process which sort of take away your humanity? Okay. So come to think of one, we are not allowed to work. At the same time you are not allowed to claim benefit. How how are you supposed to survive? That is where, for me, I'm thinking, where is the humanity? Because if we take everybody as a human being, definitely we know that a human being needs food, a human being needs shelter, a human being, all sorts of things that we need. We need clothes, everything. But then when the rules say you cannot work, you cannot claim benefit, what are you supposed to do? And then you're given a handout of just under six pounds to live on a day. That, yeah, that's another area, Nathan. It's I have lived on asylum support mm-hmm. when because my asylum has been refused now, so I'm in the process of um, collecting new evidence so that I can put in like further submissions or fresh claim. Mm-hmm. So when I was on asylum support, I was new in Coventry because mm-hmm. I had just been moved in Coventry, so I didn't know where maybe I can go to shops that will have cheaper things. But anyway, after friends in Kalag told me a number of charities that are offering help, so mm-hmm. that money that you get, because it's not enough on its own, you also embark on a journey of looking for things from somewhere else. For example, when it's cold in the winter, you need a coat, you mm-hmm. need proper shoes, you need other things. So with that £35, £36, which is just meant for food five pound a day it's hard to buy other things that you need at some particular point in time so mm-hmm. it's it's it is like it, it it is really hard and then there's this this pandemic comes this covid19 pandemic what what challenges has it brought with it for for people who are claiming asylum yeah as i've just said that we we relied on charities So during COVID, those charities closed, which meant there was no extra support that we were getting from the charities. Mm. So that put people at a very awkward position. This is why Kalag had even to start cooking meals because we saw that people would need food. They can't go to the charities where they used to get some food, they used to get some parks and things like that. Mm. So access to charities has been a very big has been a very big issue during covid but i've also seen you know heightened anxiety as people seeking asylum and migrants who are still waiting on their maybe applications for their visas and stuff like that mm-hmm. we already live with anxiety i understand that but during this covid-19 without your close families without enough support and then you are hearing about a strange disease like covid-19 has been and the other people because of language because they can't get all the information that they need that has been an issue as well right okay i mean it's it sounds like it's it's extremely difficult but amidst uh, all these challenges have there been any opportunities because the government has has had this program where they're taking everyone in. So, for example, the the Coventry Peace House used to be a night shelter, and it's since closed, and most people have been given some form of accommodation. Do you think that that, that's a positive thing, in that 
there's an opportunity there for for character work with the local authority and and the government and try and end the scourge of homelessness. Exactly. This is what we have been saying years and years about the issues that homeless asylum seekers and migrants are facing in Coventry. And yes, there is an opportunity and we appreciate the support that people now have somewhere to live. Of course, mm-hmm. I would have loved for everyone to have, because we still have some people who are, you know, maybe they were living with somebody else, but you can't live with somebody else forever. So they are still struggling. We would have loved if everyone else could get support where they can be able to live in an environment where they are able to kind of like, for example, self-isolate if they have a case for COVID. Mm. But what I have also seen as an opportunity is that when we started our cooking Mm-hmm. Many people came to us and said, how can we volunteer? At the moment, we have 15 people helping us in different things, whether mm-hmm. it's to do with accounts, whether it's to do with applications, funding applications, or delivering food, cooking, and everything. So mm-hmm. that, for me, is, is, is a really positive thing. There is solidarity. We've seen solidarity and acts of community during COVID-19. But okay. another opportunity is, I think... COVID has shined a light on the injustices that Mm -hmm. are prevalent in our communities. So now that everything is in the open, we can only expect the right things to be done to correct so that we don't go back Mm. to where we were. So why is this need arising to to have food cooked for people? And, And how many people are you supporting with these meals? On average, I could say 20 meals per day. That's 20 people per day. Mm -hmm. But it fluctuates 20, 22, depending on people's situation. For example, if people have moved from this particular type of accommodation and they go in a different accommodation that doesn't support them with the cooking and food. Yes, but on average, 20 meals per day, which is 100 meals every week. Okay. And in in terms of, of health challenges... Are you are you getting any feedback from your members about people who are trying to access hospitals and and those kind of services? Are people are people presenting when they feel as though they've got symptoms? Because there's there's this whole thing about people who seek asylum not being allowed to get secondary healthcare in the in the healthcare system. Yeah, let us not forget that even before COVID, people were getting bills. Mm. Asylum seeker who is getting £5 a day but being charged £1,000 for whatever procedure or whatever help that they sought from the hospitals. So mm. even during COVID, it's not different. Many people still have that those fears that before COVID, I received these bills. How about now? And it scares them because they keep getting letters which remind them to pay their bills. So, yes, some people wouldn't want to go to hospital for fear of the first thing is to get the bills. Some people, it's the fear of maybe getting reported because you cannot just trust the system where in the past people have been told that they will be reported if they register with their gps and all of that so it will take time to to make people believe that actually the system maybe has changed or this is not being done your data will not be shared by home office and yeah mm, so this these are the effects of of the hostile environment created by by theresa may 
which um, in many ways makes border guards out of civil servants who are who are who are public servants and they're providing public services. Yes, but there is there is hope because when we see organizations like Docs, not Cops, and mm. I think another one is it Med Act and mm. organizations like that, Doctors of the World, mm-hmm. who are there to stand for people who are being oppressed, I can, if I can use that word, oppressed mm. by this hostile environment. I think there is hope that one day there will be equality in terms of access to healthy care for everyone in this country. Right, okay. And this ties in, Lorraine, with, with what possibly is the main reason that CARIG exists, which are campaigns. What, what sort of campaigns are CARIG involved in at the moment? A number of them, because mm-hmm. we relate to different things. But I'll talk uh, maybe just about three of them which are, uh, which are active at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is what we call Status Now for All. Okay. Status Now for All, it came into about on the 27th of March, mm-hmm. immediately when the lockdown was announced, because we knew that during COVID-19, people will be at risk. People will not have access to healthy care and everything. So mm-hmm. if people are left behind without support, that will continuously put the public at risk of the COVID-19. So the, the status now for all is mm-hmm. calling for a grant of relief for everybody in the system as well as undocumented migrants. Okay. Another campaign is, maybe you can also talk more about this, it's mm-hmm. a fairer immigration charter. We started fairer immigration charter about um, two years ago, 2018. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the charter has four demands, mm-hmm. which is dignity. Dignity mm-hmm. actually talks about the legalization mm-hmm. of people's status. So everybody is treated with dignity in this country. But it also talks about justice, mm-hmm. compensation for people who are victims of the hostile environment, like we saw with the Windrush, and mm-hmm. everyone else affected by the, the hostile environment. We also de- the, the, the charter, the Fair Immigration Charter also demands the expansion of the government resettlement scheme, mm-hmm. not just to, you know, one group of people, but to everyone that needs it. Yeah, perhaps I can add there about the, the Fair Immigration Charter, that it essentially what, what it's asking for is that people are treated fairly. And currently, the way that the system is designed, it, it appears to, to be extremely punitive. And the fact that there are places like detention centers where, where people are, can stay there with, with no time limit, I mean, that's, that's interfering with a lot of their, of, of their rights. And, and what's, what's the third campaign, Lorraine? That's... Yeah, so lift the ban campaign, which mm-hmm. is to allow everyone to work. People should be allowed to work, should be able to manage their own lives. Mm-hmm. What, I, I really don't see what is wrong with someone if they can work to be allowed to work so that they can live with dignity. So that's another campaign, which is called Lift the Ban Campaign. Right, okay. And being a, a, a woman who's a leader, and there's, there's not that many women out here in the, in the migration sector who are leading, who've got lived experience, you've recently taken part in a, 
in a report, in writing a report, which is titled Sisters, Not Strangers. Do you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, so that is another campaign. The coalition is called Sisters, Not Strangers, right, okay. which is for yeah, women who are in the asylum system, asylum-seeking women as well as refugees, saying everybody who has come here to seek for safety is our sister, is not a stranger. So mm. the report that has just come out is called Hear Us Experiences of Asylum-Seeking Women During COVID-19. It's, 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 it's a report that is exposing a lot of things that women are going through at the moment. Mm. As we know, during lockdown, it has been very difficult for everyone. But for asylum-seeking women, where you don't you don't really have much support. You don't really have a lot of things that you can you can access. It has been really difficult. So this report, I can I can just maybe quickly highlight some of the recommendations that here as report is emphasizing on. Mm -hmm. So the first recommendation is to grant leave to remain for the same reason that one to protect the public because if we are leaving people behind, some people are not able to. To, to stay safe during COVID-19, mm. then nobody else is safe. But we are also looking at rebuilding a Britain that is fairer for everybody. Mm -hmm. So if we give leave to remain to everybody, that will help to build this country to be a fairer country. The Another recommendation is about access to care, which we have already talked about, but mm -hmm. in terms of physical health as well as mental health, as we have seen, a lot of mental health among us asylum seekers is a neglected area, and yet it's a very, uh, it, it's, 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 it, it's high in, in asylum seekers. We've seen a lot of things are happening mm -hmm. because, because of mental health. So... The report is recommending that if everyone can have access to both physical as well as mental health support, that would be that would be the way forward. And lastly, it's access to money. So if someone can't work, then let them, you know, get some proper benefits where they can be able to to live properly. Unlike now, where some people who are not on any support, but there are people who need support, who need access to money but they they are not allowed that is really an injustice on people right okay and women are are generally who who migrate to a new country can form can face all sorts of sorts of issues which leave them extremely vulnerable and this society lorraine how is it that people can can make women homeless well, what what is the issue there? Why why can't there be a system, and why can't there be a system created where women are are given some form of priority status? I I really don't have an answer, um, uh, Nathan, because I think the way I look at it, the mm. asylum system, the way I, I I have studied it over these past four years, I think it's. It's, it depends also on the nationality of the asylum seekers. So 
if you are from certain countries, for example, like Syria or Somalia, yeah, mm. definitely you'll get the priority. But if you are from other countries, I think the priority is not there. So I think it's a system which just put everybody in one box without considering, because we have women who have undergone, I don't mean that men haven't undergone stuff that are very hard, mm. but yeah, but women who have faced, for example, rape, hmm? you come mm. here, you're back in the street where you are also prone to similar things. Mm. It's, it's, it's like a perpetuation of trauma and it's so, it's so heartbreaking because, because I hear, I do hear these stories quite often. Mm. And do you find that there's, there's recourse to, to mental health support? Because clearly people who face homelessness their, their mental health will deteriorate. Is there an infrastructure that's available which people can access that mental health support? Uh, here in Coventry, at the moment, we are working in partnership with Inini. Uh, Inini is a specialist BME mental health uh, charity. So they've been very, very helpful. For example, I can give an example of a Kalag member. When I came to Coventry, mm. this guy was one of the people who was in the committee, people who were running Kalag at that mm. time. Mm. But uh, things got worse and worse and worse because you can, you can, our bodies can only tolerate so much. Mm. So he reached a point where everything else was, was not right with him, mm. and including mental health. We struggled to get help for him. You remember, you remember mm. that case. Mm. But when we we asked help from Inini, and we were working with Inini staff to mm. look for help, eventually we got that help. And I'm happy that I can say that this our friend is now stable and mm. he's in a, you know he's well looked after. But it took the specialists in mental health together with us, together with Kalak, to highlight that issue so that the person could be helped. But how many people have we not reached to whose lives have just been wasted because there was nobody to fight for them? So, mm. yeah, so I think having, you know, advocates, mental health advocates, people who also say, no, this is not right, we're going to do something about it, is, is something that we value a lot. Yeah, it, it, it seems to me that it's, Currently, the way that the, the asylum system is is constituted, it's very, very, very difficult for people who who come to this country and claim asylum to reach the end of it without without suffering some form of mental health challenge. And then this ties into Lorraine, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the killing of George Floyd in the United States, and this this movement that seems to have got a lot of traction. Um, do you think there are issues there where they sort of intersect with the experience of people who come to Britain to claim asylum? Of course, because what I think is it doesn't matter whether you kill someone using a spear or you kill someone using your knee or you kill someone by stabbing them. So the death of George Freud, hmm. in every sense of it, to me, it's, it's, there's no difference with how we have seen how people are suffering and some, some of them end up dying. I can remind you, there mm. was a case in the past of Joy Gardner. Joy Gardner came from 
Jamaica to study in this country, mm-hmm. when her visa had expired or something like that, the immigration officers went to her house and strained her, and the lady lost just exactly how George Floyd died. Mm. This Joy Gardner died. In 2010, Mr. Mubenga, I was already here in this country. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Mubenga was from Angola. They were trying to deport him. They strained him on the plane and he died. To me, those are our George Floyds of this country. But mm-hmm. also when we look at what, because when I came here in Coventry, the first session that I attended, someone was teaching us about knowing our rights. Mm-hmm. So he touched on the a home office strategy for asylum seekers and migrants in this country. He mm. mentioned four things that the home office strategy is called it's four D's. These D's are destitution, detention, deportation, and death. So if you were working, you'll be made to be destitute so that you can, you know, you'll be homeless, you don't have food, you don't. People will die from destitution. If you are not getting food, definitely you will die. Mm. If when you're living in destitution, mental health will be will take over and that leads to death. We have seen our friends, mental health deteriorating and dying in mm. the streets here in Coventry. So like I said at the beginning, that to me death doesn't matter. Whether you die from a spear or you die from a neck or you die from destitution, to me, death is death. Killing is killing. So, yeah, there is there is some intersection there. And the intersection to me is oppression. Or I see in George Floyd's death and the issues that we are dealing with in, in this country with asylum seekers and migrants, it's, um, it's oppression. Hmm. Do you think asylum seekers' lives have have ever mattered since you've claimed asylum. What's your view now, having gone through the system and in the process of making further submissions? The thing is, with asylum, I think what I have seen a lot and what has happened, what I have seen is, you start from a point where you are regarded as a liar. Mm? Mm. So everything that you say they just, you know, they just pick things that they add onto whatever ideas that they already had about you that you are lying. That is hard to prove to someone who already has ideas about you that you are a liar. I think if they were starting from the other end, like believing you, and mm. then maybe if there is something that is not adding up and then seek clarity. But at the same time, we also see that there are other things that they pick on could be due to cultural differences because we come from different cultures, different countries. So everything, something that happens, for example, in Malawi, where I come from, hmm. it does does have a different meaning to a a, a culture in in this country. So hmm. those things, for example, I can give is. In my country, you can't look people in the eye because it's like you are disrespecting elders. Right. But in this country, when you look down to someone already, they say, you are mm. lying. She was looking down. They think you're not credible. You see, yeah, exactly. And that's the key word everywhere. We are seeing it, credibility, credibility, credibility. But I, 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 I really don't know. Like the other thing, like you have asked to say, mm. does life of asylum seekers matter? There are some people you can clearly see that um, 
you know, our friend is not well. People go for reporting. They're seen by officials and nothing is being done. And they continue giving people, for example, to come back and report. And for me, I'm thinking, what are the officials? Mm. What are they trying to achieve by making this person go through all of this when actually everyone can see that the person needs help instead of uh, being asked to report. Yeah, so there's more, there's more enforcement of, of the rules rather than looking at the humanity of the person. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. I wish it was the other way around. And finally, Lorraine, um, this country is leaving the European Union. And the European Union has, has had all of these human rights that that are put into law in Britain by the Human Rights Act, there is some danger that the government will look again at the Human Rights Act because there's the newspapers are always lamenting this right to a family life, which is Article 8 of the Human Rights Act. What, what, what are your fears post-Brexit post in 2021 about the way that their asylum system will evolve and the danger that the Human Rights Act faces. Yeah, because to be honest, the reasons why people are freeing their countries haven't gone away. The reasons why people are freeing their countries are still there. So definitely we're going to get people who are seeking asylum. We will get people who just want to migrate for different reasons. So, But I have hope that maybe we will just maybe things will not go the other way but maybe this is an opportunity to also create a more oh, you know friendly environment what i would want especially in the asylum system mm. maybe this country can also look at what is happening in other countries with the asylum system for example in the us if you go mm. to the us at least when you are in that country you'll be allowed to work it's only traveling outside that country that is not allowed. But when you are within that country, you are allowed to work. Therefore, you can buy a house. You can, depending on how much you are making, then you are living your life. So I'm just hoping that probably post-Brexit, these will be other things that will be looked into and then they will come up with something that is, is appropriate and, and fair to people. But before maybe we, 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 we finish, I mm. also wanted to talk about, because we've talked about being destitute in, mm. in, in the asylum system, which for me is a, is a huge issue. It affects mm. all parts of our lives. Yeah. So probably this is why at Kalag we are, we are now looking at how we can, we can help to solve the destitution problem. Because many people who are destitute, they'll be homeless. Mm. And that's a huge problem. We have seen how many people have been offered accommodation, temporary accommodation, because of the everybody in policy. Mm. But there is fear that people will be made homeless again, maybe at some point. So mm. our plans are to also look post-COVID. What is it that we can do ourselves in Coventry so that we can tackle destitution and homelessness? So as Kalag, we are looking at what we call Kalag Housing Project. Okay. That, yeah, 
that will have a component of at least someone having access to what they will call a home, a room to live, and maybe a destitution fund to support the person to be able to have food and stuff like that, but also maybe support with legal aid. Because we have seen that when you have a good solicitor, Mm-hmm. Someone who can help you with your immigration case, things do work. But with the legal aid cards, it's hard for everyone to find a, soli- a good solicitor. So mm-hmm. we we also plan to be doing things like that. Right, okay. That that sounds to me like a really, really, really important project. And how can people who would like to support this right to a, to a home project... Where, where can they find information about, about this project? Yeah, so one is on our website, mm-hmm. kalag.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, you can subscribe to our mailing list to get the information. There's also a donate button, but we'll also be um, setting up a crowdfunder page soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just get in touch. Right, and to the the community of people who are who are very close to Coventry in in the West Midlands, I'm sure there are there are a lot of people who are listening to this, who would like to at some point in the future, when this pandemic is over, who to come to Carrig and come and interact with 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 members. Well, what's your message to those people? Yeah, we we are here. We welcome we welcome people. We like to have conversations with people because we know sometimes people judge us before mm-hmm. you know by just reading what is in the Daily Mail or whichever media that they are reading, but without meeting actual people. So we are open to the public. If people get in touch, we can always tell them which weeks, which week of that month they can come in and interact with people and ask us questions and have a chat and they can know more about us. So that's not a problem at all. But the other ask probably would be um, for people to support our campaigns, like we are talking about Status Now for All, which is calling for a grant of leave to remain for everyone in this country. Mm-hmm. If if people can go also go on the website statusnowforall.org mm-hmm. um, and yeah and sign up to get updates about what we are what we are talking about and then maybe contact their MP as well to to let them know about this campaign so that they can support it in Parliament. Right. So that's been a, a fascinating and. A- very impassioned plea there from Lorraine Pinella, the chair of Coventry Asylum and Refugee Action Group. So please visit our website, www.carag.co.uk, to have a look at what Carag does in the community. You can also follow us on our social media, which is our handles are at Carag Coventry on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. So thank you so much for listening to this edition of Still We Rise. I hope you can listen next time.